and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and as always, we have producer Annabelle Lee here too. Hello. Hi. 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 You guys might hear a bit of a difference today. We're not in the same room, but we will explain why in a moment. Before we get to that, coming up on today's show... Who is West Elm Caleb and how has he become the real-life John Tucker must die? Adele controversially cancels her Las Vegas residency. The celebrity couple the gossip accounts discarded as a PR stunt welcome their first baby. How much Aussie public figures are paid to go on reality TV in 2022. And then a big, juicy bumper segment on Jade Tunchi, the local fashion influencer who found herself in the biggest scandal of her career this week. But first, Zara, how was your week? How was my week? Well, I think the first thing we wanted to start by saying, Mish, when it comes to this last week is it would be totally remiss of us to talk about our weeks without talking about the week in the context of January 26 every single year. I know there will be quite a few of our First Nations listeners listening to this and we wanted to say we've been thinking about you this week. We know it's an incredibly difficult week for a lot of people and I think the other thing that we wanted to say as well is that Shameless Media has donated $5,000 to the official Anawan land back movement. I know that we do have listeners who wonder every year, Mish, what they can be doing to support our First Nations listeners and the First Nations members of our community. And we found that this was sort of the one that we wanted to donate to this year. Yeah, certainly. If you're looking to pay the rent, then the Land Back movement is so great. It's aiming to raise enough money to secure an uncleared block of 100 acres or more, which has access to a river or creek so that First Nations Australians can revive and practice culture, revitalise language and care for country. So if you're in a place where you can and support that cause, we absolutely encourage you to do so. As for my week, Mish, well, we are recording from home this morning because I caught the spicy curve. <laughs> How are you though. feeling? How are you going? Uh, pretty, I'm okay. I mean, I know that a lot of people have been struck down much worse, so I'm feeling okay. I am in a bit of a hot box room right now at home. There is no air conditioning. I don't think there's any ventilation in this room. So if I faint halfway through the episode, you will know why. Please and don't. then the other thing I thought is... Brain fog is meant to be quite big with COVID. So I think from this moment on, I am not responsible for any of the words that come out of my mouth. You know how we always say plus or minus 10% with everything we say? Plus or minus 100 with me today. I can say whatever the fuck I want. That's interesting. We'll see how that goes. And we should say, guys, if Zara was really, really unwell, we would not be doing this podcast today. You're feeling pretty good. You are triple vaxxed, which is great because it's meant that you're pretty protected. You're doing okay. Yeah, no, I'm doing pretty good. And you're absolutely right. We are not the kind of workplace that are going (laughs) to force each other to work through this. I just felt good enough to record today and I wanted to jump on because truthfully, there's not much else to do in quarantine. (laughs) I do have a recommendation for you, Mish. Firstly, actually, before I jump into my recommendation, can I just say I watched the first two episodes of Love Me last (gasps) night. Did you? Oh my God. What a show. What a show. I fell in love with the characters. And it's so interesting because there is one of the characters whose name has already escaped me. He's the older guy, the dad. Oh, I, ne- the I never know character names. I just roll with it. I'm like the, the dad, the daughter, the son. Hugo Weaving. Yes, well, that's the thing, right? I was like, 
this guy is an incredible actor. I've never seen him in my life. Who is he? Let's book him for some more stuff. And then I Google him and I was like, oh, fuck, it's Hugo Weaving. No shit. <laughs> it is so good. So if people didn't jump on it from your recommendation last week, which I'm sure so many did, may I back that up? It is one of the best Australian series I've seen. I am so proud that it's Australian. It's amazing. My recommendation this week is a Colleen Hoover book, if you don't mind. Oh. I found I have been reading a little bit over summer And ever since I've been in quarantine, what I've wanted is not something that makes you think a heap. I want a book that's really pacey and really grippy. You know exactly the kind of book I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, right? A page turner. You want a page turner. A total page turner. So I put the book that I was reading down, which is amazing, but not quite the mood (laughs) right now. And I picked up Verity by Colleen Hoover and it was just everything that I needed. It was so Colleen Hoover. If you haven't read a Colleen Hoover book before, there's a, a bit of sex. Excellent. We do love that. <laughs> there's always a sort of, it's not thrillery, but you know how she writes in that kind of thrillery way? Yeah, 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 absolutely. She writes so that there's always a cliffhanger. You know yes. that something's coming. It's quite similar actually to like a Leanne Moriarty where there is a hook that you're waiting for. Exactly. So I loved Verity. I think I preferred It Ends With Us, the book that we read for book club last year. But if you are in the market for a book that you can't put down, that you can get done in a day, Verity by Colleen Hoover. Love that so much. How was your week? Look, it's funny because you're the one with COVID, but between the two of us or but the three of us, Annabelle, I'm the one who sounds like I have COVID. We were both <laughs> struck down this week. I have done a million COVID tests. So for anyone wondering, it is not COVID. I have laryngitis, which meant that I fully lost my voice for three days. And I've like, I've had moments where I've lost my voice and it's been croaky like it is now. I've never had laryngitis to the point where not a little peep would come out of my mouth. And as a talkative human... It's quite discombobulating and quite confronting to not be able to talk to anyone for days at a time. One benefit of having laryngitis was that I did have so much time to binge watch things in particular and read and listen to podcasts. And my God, guys, have either of you watched The Rescue on Disney Plus? No. I'm not going to lie, though. When I saw it written in your notes, I did do a little bit of a Google about it. And I was like, oh, this does look amazing. Yeah. So this is a documentary on Disney Plus that tracks the Thai cave rescue mission. Do you guys remember this from a couple of years ago? An entire boys soccer team. There were 13 boys and their coach stuck deep inside a cave that got flooded and Thai Navy SEALs were really instrumental in saving them. So were British and Australian professional divers. And my God, guys, my my little sister Evelyn told me to watch this and she said, I don't know if you'll find it as interesting as I did. I found the medical side really interesting because they really take you through how they got these boys out and how they medicated them and the risks that were taken to do that. But I sat down and watched this and I loved it every bit as much as she did. So let me tell you, if you have two hours this week spare, this is a great way to spend your time. It is testament to the human spirit and it was one of the most remarkable documentaries I've seen. Humans do genuinely blow me away when I hear stories like this. Like from the the little tidbits I've heard of this story, it is just remarkable how clever people are mm. and how brave people are to put themselves in scenarios where this kind of rescue mission can even happen. I have all the time in the world this week, so you bet I'm going to watch that. <laughs> so any other recommendations people have, I am all ears. One quick thing, Michelle, before we jump into the first segment of the show, a little bit of housekeeping or house cleaning, as you would say. (laughs) Let's talk about charity merch that went live this week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Guys, we dropped our charity merch tease for the summer of 2022 this week. We kind of sprung it on you. We had mentioned that it was coming and then we kind of gave you guys like four hours to get your shit together and go buy them. So we launched them on Monday night and they sold out in less than a day, which means we have raised almost $10,000 for the Asylum Seeker Resource Center. The ASRC is our 2022 charity partner. And I think anyone who's been paying attention to the news cycle in the first few weeks of this year probably knows how important the ASRC is for vulnerable people who don't have a voice. And we are absolutely stoked to be giving this money over to the ASRC. Yeah, absolutely. And we cannot thank you enough for supporting those t-shirts and supporting the charity merch every single time we put it out. This is, I think we're actually going into our fourth year of Mm. charity merch, three years into the fourth year. I'm not quite sure how that month, (laughs) that year maths works actually, but it's been a while and you guys always get behind it. It always sells out so quick, even when we kind of bump up the quantities. So we couldn't be more grateful for your support as well for the ASRC. But with that in mind, Mish, we need to jump into the first segment of the show because we have that much to talk about today. Today. We are, of course, starting today with West Elm Caleb. We are. Caleb. <laughs> I'm not responsible for anything today. For West Elm Caleb, excuse the COVID fog from Zara over there. If you missed it this week, TikTok was overrun by some drama. The story was of a man whose terrible dating history has turned him into the new couch guy. His name is Caleb, his moniker is West Elm Caleb, and he is a designer who works at West Elm. Therefore, very creative name of West Elm Caleb. So I guess it poses the question, Mish, of how this story even got anywhere. So for those who did miss it or who might have seen this around but have no idea how it all started... What happened was a woman from New York posted a TikTok last week about getting ghosted by this guy named Caleb. It was a guy she'd met on Hinge. Now, something really strange started to happen in her comment section where all these other women started to reply saying, was it West Elm Caleb? Now, what's kind of funny about this part of the story is the person that the woman was talking about in the original video wasn't even West Elm Caleb, but what happened in the comment section is all these other people were like, oh my God, I've dated that guy too. And so what happened is it appears that West Elm Caleb has this entire history of ghosting women he met on Hinge with so many of these women saying they had like near identical experiences with him. And that experience was one of them saying he would like, quote unquote, love bomb them, ghost them after a date or two, that he would lie to them about how often he used Hinge and how often he went on dates. He also very randomly sent heaps of them the same Spotify playlist. It just generally sounds like he was dating a lot of women at the same time and doing the same thing to all of them. Yeah. And so once this comment section started up, women began to tell their stories with their own videos. And as the videos started flooding the TikTok for you page, many began taking it a step further. So instead of just telling their stories about dating West Elm Caleb, some women began posting his photo and sharing his private information as well. Now, this is a tricky story, Zara, because on top of being a bad dater, West Elm Caleb has been accused by two women of sending them unsolicited dick pics. So there's a lot going on and it's kind of hard to muddle your way through. Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to try and do our best to muddle our way through it regardless, Mish. But I think what's really interesting about a story like this is a lot of people can say, well, what are the chances of this happening, right? Like what are the chances of all of these women finding themselves in the comment section on TikTok and exposing this story? And according to like quite a few tech publications, 
Not that unlikely at all. Publications like BuzzFeed and Wired say, well, the TikTok algorithm is wired in such a way where if all these women were actually contacts in West Elm Caleb's phone, it is very likely that TikTok's algorithm has connected them in that way. So it's like, oh, the the element of chance kind of is just pulled right out of this when you consider how algorithms work. Junkie Mish called this the real life John Tucker must die because suddenly you have (laughs) hordes of women going after the same guy who dated them all. Yeah, and not just hordes of women, also just random people who are watching on. The response was so intense and so global, it's almost hard to make sense of. Naturally, it extended beyond TikTok too. I mean, it started trending on Twitter. All of these mainstream media publications started writing about it. His full name ended up being published on news websites. A rival dating app even painted a billboard of his Hinge profile. So within the space of maybe 72 hours, West Elm Caleb went from being a man with complete anonymity, no one really knew who he was, to being a global punching bag. Exactly. In a text message to one of the women he dated, Mish, he reportedly wrote the following... I am truly shocked and pretty traumatized by this whole thing. I don't know the vast, vast majority of people commenting on the video. People saying I had dates planned, that I was creepy, that I went on a date and didn't pay. People are just commenting stuff to get involved, it seems. And yeah, the nature of the app is very fleeting and ghosting, unfortunately, is just part of it. I was on the app for a couple of months and matched with a lot of people before you, and the video just gave every single one of them a platform to comment without any need to validate their stories. So yes, of course, it's going to sound bad. Mm. It really raises the question, and I'm interested in both of your thoughts on this because I've been thinking about it a lot. What crime does someone need to commit in the dating world to justify this level of humiliation? It's, it's really hard. It's the biggest question of all, and I've been sitting with it for the last couple of days because there was a headline from BuzzFeed that I did sort of connect with quite a bit. It was Caleb from West Elm is bad at dating, but probably didn't deserve being pushed through the TikTok meat grinder. I mean, here's the problem, right? If this was just a guy who was bad at dating, who ghosted after a few dates, I think this conversation would be much more straightforward. I think it gets really murky with those allegations of two unsolicited dick photos. Dick photos. Dick Dick photos. (laughs) Dick photographs. Dick photographs. Penis photography. Okay, all right. Thanks, everyone. I think it does absolutely complicate things. And I actually don't think we're at a point now publicly or in the public sphere where we're having conversations enough about unsolicited nude photos to know what the punishment for that even should be. Like, have we had enough conversations about that for people to say, you know what, this feels like an adequate punishment for someone who commits that crime? And Annabelle, what do you think? What kind of crime should someone be committing in order to be globally humiliated? It's so tough because we've never really before had a platform like TikTok to expose Mm. behavior. So it's hard to know what the norm is. I don't know. My gut's telling me that what Caleb did didn't warrant the kind of like online abuse that he got. But it's, yeah, it's again, it's hard to say because like we're only just starting to hear about the kind of behavior that women will and won't put up with because of TikTok. TikTok has changed everything. TikTok has completely like re-engineered the game and I think we're trying to catch up with it. I think that's a really good point. And I think the thing about this story is when it initially came out, and this was before those allegations of the photos came out, I was really wondering, can one man be held responsible for crimes committed by 
millions. Like, can he be the punching bag for all of our annoyance and all of our anger and all of our resentment for how some people go about dating? I mean, again, the conversation here feels a little binary, right? People are like, okay, well, if you don't agree with the punishment that he's being served right now, which is that he is experiencing global humiliation, then what? You believe he shouldn't be held accountable for any of it. And it's like, I don't believe that at all. Mm. In fact, I've seen people who are arguing, like, maybe has this gone too far, be called pick me girls for even (laughs) daring to consider the fact that maybe this is not the most appropriate response and I I guess all I've been thinking over the last few days is like can my feelings sit between wanting to hold him to account but not believing that this is the appropriate Mm. punishment and I think the issue with that at the moment is it's not a snappy soundbite it's not good on the internet because the internet demands your opinions have this level of like passion that I simply Mm. don't have maybe passion's not the right word but do you know what I'm trying to say yeah absolutely it's also very hard to hold anyone accountable on social media particularly a viral platform like TikTok because you so quickly lose control a lot of the original women who posted have actually deleted their videos because they don't like the level that this has gone to I also want to talk to that flattening argument that you just spoke to, Zara, because I think that's everything here. I wholeheartedly do not like unsolicited dick pics. It is bad practice. It is gross. And I don't think men should do it. However, context is everything as well. There's a difference between sending a junior employee when you're a boss an unsolicited dick pic to sending a woman you might be flirting with on a dating app, misreading cues and sending her a dick pic. If you're in that flirtatious dating zone, it's still bad. I'm not saying it's good, but it is a different story to other instances of unsolicited dick pics that we've heard of. The other flattening element of this story is all these people keep using the terms love bombing and gaslighting when it comes to West Elm Caleb. And while I can't speak to whether or not that is the appropriate term in this case, I do think generally we need to be careful with the usage of the term love bombing and gaslighting. Those are words that have been coined to describe tools of emotional abuse. Love bombing is a tool to manipulate people into staying in toxic relationships Gaslighting is a tool to convince people of alternative realities. When we take those terms that are reserved for emotional and domestic violence, we really flatten them and we make them almost trivial. And I think when people are saying he love bombed me on Hinge and then he ghosted me, it's like, how can you love bomb someone on Hinge? He hasn't even met some of these women. And I just find it a little bit frustrating when we take fuckboy culture and apply the same words that we use for domestic violence culture. It's not the same thing. The other really hard part about this conversation, again, and I know I sort of touched on it before, is by us having this conversation to be like, did he deserve X, Y, and Z? We are absolutely going to be leveled criticism, people being like, you're excusing everything he's done. And it's like, our conversations don't have to exist like that. I think the guy is probably a fuckwit. I think he's (laughs) treated women terribly. I think he should never have allegedly sent these photos. But I think does behaviour like that, like does, and I'm going to call it like standard bad behavior because it's not evil it's just bad behavior deserve to go on a global stage I'm actually just going to argue no I'm flatly going to argue no and it's really interesting because Rolling Stone Mish asked a really great question about this it was like if this is justice who exactly has justice served 
coming up after the break. Adele controversially cancels her Las Vegas residency. How much Aussie public figures are paid to go on reality TV in 2022? And then we need to talk about the biggest scandal of influencer Jade Tunchi's career. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Voicey Andrews, what do you got for me? <laughs> you should have done Michelle Crokey Andrews, but that's okay. Are you kidding? Voicey was great. <laughs> Voicey. My first story, Adele's shows were heading for disaster and won't go ahead for at least six months. That is from news.com.au. Guys, this week, Adele's three-month Las Vegas residency, titled Weekends with Adele, was due to begin. So it was going to begin on the 21st of January at the Coliseum in Caesars Palace Casino to celebrate her new album, 30, and now it's not going ahead. There is something funny about this story, for sure. There is some funny elements. So in case you missed it, in a really cheerful Instagram post published on Friday, Adele said she was gutted to have to reschedule all of the dates. She said, I am so sorry, but my show isn't ready. We've been absolutely destroyed by delivery delays and COVID. Half my crew are down with COVID. They still are. And it's been impossible to finish at the show. Now, Mm. some fans reportedly paid up to $17,000 for tickets. Now, they're not the ones that have been directly sold by the ticketing websites. I think Mm. those are the ones that have been like upsold later. (laughs) But it still stands to show that people have paid a lot of money to go to see Adele in Las Vegas. Adele even privately FaceTimed some fans and offered them merch as a means of saying sorry. So Mm. I think what is clear is that Adele and her team very much knew that they needed to do some damage control after the announcement. Yeah, well, what's complicated is that Adele has cancelled shows before. I won't say she has a reputation for cancelling at the last minute, but it has happened to fans before and they definitely had to get on the front foot and try to kind of mitigate any of the PR disasters they could have found themselves in. Now, reports have surfaced that while Adele is saying it's because of COVID, the delay might actually be due to behind-the-scenes clashes, particularly with the acclaimed set designer Esmeralda Devlin. Now, people refer to Esmeralda Devlin as Es in the business, so when we talk about these quotes that reference Es, we are speaking about that very, very famous set designer. Now, Adele and Es have worked together before. They did her world tour in 2016, but it is understood that when it comes to this Los Vegas residency, they have argued a heap in the run-up to the opening night. One source told the media, in spite of the set costing millions to put together, Adele was unhappy with the result and she made her feelings very clear to Ez. It's really interesting because that is one report. And while I'm not sure it might be the feud or the quote-unquote feud between Ez and Adele that's been the catalyst for this show to fall apart. I do think it's got something to do with the setup of the show. Some people have speculated that perhaps the Caesars Palace team wanted her to perform with like a 60-person orchestra and Adele wanted to do something quite stripped back. Other people have said that she gets quite anxious about performing live. I mean, we know this already. She has said that she's vomited at shows on fans, I think, yeah, in the past. And as she said that she's projectile, yeah, she's projectile vomited on a fan. I think it was in Dublin or something in the front row. Yeah. So we know she gets very nervous about performing live. 
and has repeated anxiety attacks at the thought of performing in front of big crowds. So you can imagine there would be a heightened level of anxiety about a three-month stint in Las Vegas and clearly something's fallen apart behind the scenes because tellingly, a statement issued by Caesars Palace this week did not mention COVID as the reason for everything falling apart. They said creating a show of this magnitude is incredibly complex. Interesting. Make of that what you will. My second story, a far cry from Ramsey Street. Neighbours star Ryan Maloney lists his four-bedroom Mornington Peninsula home with a swimming pool and stables for $8 million. That is from the Daily Mail. Guys, since when's Tony really rich? Tony is fuck off rich, guys. Like, $8 $8 million. He's a lawyer. How did we miss this? <laughs> he's he's a, a is, is that his job? On the show, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, I know it's not his job. I meant on the show. Yeah. Also, Annabelle, I know that lawyers can be rich, but $8 million is still fuck off rich for a lawyer, right? Yeah, well, my boyfriend's a lawyer and we're not, we're not there. We're not in Toadie's house. But Ollie is not Toadfish Rebecca, that's for sure. <laughs> in case you did miss it, though, Ryan Maloney, who we know as Toadie, Has been on the show, by the way, for 27 years. I did that maths myself. He's been playing Jared Toadfish Rebecca on Neighbours since 1995. And his Mornington Peninsula estate has been listed with a price guide of $7.5 million to $8 million. Now, this property is amazing. It sits on 10.7 acres. It has a swimming pool, a gym, a half-size basketball court, a barn, a riding area, and stables. Stables! So Daily Mail really took this to the nth degree. They wrote in their piece, Unlike life on the fictional cul-de-sac, the completely private home boasts rolling land for miles, ensuring no nosy neighbours can get a look in. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Some silly copy for your Thursday. I mean, it's really... It's interesting to me because I guess I guess if you're on a show for 27 years, that is consistent good income for 27 years, which probably does land you on a property like this. But it just really did blow me away. But, like, I get that Neighbours is well paid. I did not think that it was this well paid. What are full-time people on Neighbours earning? I, like, that, that's been the biggest mystery of this week because it's like, what have I missed here? Should I have actually done a Margot Robbie and just gone and auditioned? Absolutely, you should have, first of all. But can someone who knows, surely that many people have been on Neighbours in Melbourne, that many people have tentacles on that show across its like 30-something years on our screens. Can someone tell us what they're getting paid? Like what are these actors getting paid? Because I would love to reveal it in Your Say Friday anonymously. (laughs) 100%. Let's just reveal unfact-checked. Speculative neighbour salaries. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) My third story. Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas welcome their third child via surrogacy. That is from Harper's Bazaar. My underratedly favourite story of the week, Michelle, and I know a lot of our listeners might not care as much, but I will make them care (laughs) desperately in case you missed this one as well. Over the weekend, Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas wrote on Instagram announcing the birth of their baby. They said, we are overjoyed to confirm that we have welcomed a baby via surrogate. We respectfully ask for privacy during this special time as we focus on our family. Again, I found it very interesting that some of the comments online were quite snarky from people being like, well, if you wanted privacy, why did you announce it? And I'm like, are people stupid? I imagine that somebody else was about to announce it for them, so they had to. There are also unconfirmed reports, and at the time of recording, this has only so far come from the Daily Mail, that the baby was born incredibly prematurely at 27 weeks, which would be very stressful for any family. So you can imagine why, A, they need to announce it, but B, why they want privacy. I mean, 
whether or not the baby was born premature or not, every young family deserves privacy at a time like this. But I think what's most intriguing about this story, Michelle, is not that these two have had a baby. They've been married for a number of years, but it's because they've been battling pretty extreme breakup rumors over the last few months. Yeah, and this has really intrigued us, I think, over on Shameless, because we've had a lot of listeners come to us and say, I've read blind items that they're going to break up. We know that Demois, that very, very famous anonymous gossip Instagram account, has been saying that there's strain in their relationship. There are a heap of headlines a month or two ago about Priyanka changing her Instagram name from Priyanka Chopra Jonas to just Priyanka Chopra as well. So that was an odd move. I understand why there were question marks about that. But I think this has raised a really interesting question in our mind, Zara, because so many people with this gossip Instagram mentality that we've seen really take off in the last two years, so many people have begun treating blind items as if they are fact. The commentary on Instagram and the commentary on TikTok about Priyanka and Nick being a PR couple and a sham couple purely designed for publicity has been so intense and relentless. And we have watched on, as two people who interview viewed Priyanka Chopra last year we've watched and therefore know everything right know everything about it <laughs> that we have watched on really befuddled by that really confused by that and I think this is just a note to say simply because you read something in a blind item does not make it true the number of blind items who have said these two are divorcing not having a baby is insane so let's just kind of remove ourselves a little bit from the blind item culture and have more of a bird's eye rational perspective on things these things aren't fact-checked they're not really thoroughly sourced at all or credited at all they're not worth everything well this is what's interesting because I've definitely fallen victim to this like I have definitely probably fallen in a basket of always thinking where there's smoke there's fire and I know that we've said that on the show before because I generally believe where there is smoke there is fire I think it is just cause to say it's not always true. Like there are these examples where stuff is made up and rumor is not true. So particularly in the case of these two. So it will be interesting to see how long it takes them to properly introduce their baby to the world. And I'm really looking forward to it, Mish. I I quite like these two together. Same. I'm all about it. My fourth story, the Wiggles make history with Hottest 100 win. That is from Sydney Morning Herald. Guys, the Wiggles won the Hottest 100. They actually became the first act to top Triple J's annual countdown with a cover song. I'm not going to lie. I actually felt a tiny bit, <laughs> I felt a tiny bit ripped off when they won. Yeah. And I was like, it's actually kind of a nice story. So <laughs> Saturday's Hottest 100 was the 29th Hottest 100 for the youth broadcaster. It has been airing since 1993. Now, the Wiggles won for their recorded cover of the song Elephant by Tame Impala. Now, they recorded that for Triple J's Like A Version last March, and it went viral. Like, everyone watched it. Yeah, it went insane. I agree with you, Zara. I, I mean, this was the day that I had full-on laryngitis, so I couldn't speak and, like, actually vocalise my annoyance about <laughs> it. I'm not annoyed. I just felt like there were other songs that were more impactful last year or kind of encapsulated 2021 and what was trending in music more. Like, yes, this is a great cover. Yes, the Wiggles are iconic. I don't know. And then I saw TikToks being like, anyone who doesn't like the fact that the Wiggles won the hottest 100 is a wet blanket. And I was like, well, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. I am a wet blanket though, so I will <laughs> happily take that. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what, it's an 
it's an Aussie band. It's not always that an Aussie band wins. Mm. Maybe there's an element of nostalgia to it. I'm sure people could psychoanalyze why this song did <laughs> so well. In fact, the song actually, the cover charted higher than Tame Impala's original song, which actually finished Whoa. seventh in 2012, which is really interesting. The Kid Leroy finished in second place. He also achieved history by becoming the highest placing Indigenous artist on the countdown with his smash hit, should I say, smash Stay hit. with Justin Bieber. Olivia Rodrigo had five songs in the countdown. So did Doja Cat. Lil Nas X had three. I have to say, guys, every time I listen to The Hottest 100, I have this internalized shame because I don't know any of the songs. I don't mm. know anything. As everyone in the top 10 is like, oh, you'll definitely know this song. And I'm like, I don't know it. I have never known so many songs in a Hottest 100. And it's because of TikTok. TikTok! It's actually the, the dorks now on TikTok who know all the songs in the Hottest 100. I agree. I was listening to it being like, this is a hot, am I cool now? I'm like, no, I'm not cool. It's just that a social media app now determines exactly what trends in Australia and what people are listening to. You know, the funny thing is, Mitch and I were listening to a spot playlist this week it was called like top trending australia there was not a song in that playlist that i hadn't heard originally on tiktok the power this app holds over us is wild it's completely wild my fifth and final story for today's quick and dirty guys a very quick one i just needed to talk to you both about it pour one out for Bo ryan who let slip how many dollary do's he lost by quitting i'm a celebrity get me out of here that is from pedestrian tv Oh my goodness, this story. So if you watch I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, you would know that last Thursday night, former rugby player Bo Ryan quit the show. He's actually only the fourth ever contestant in the show's history, in Australian history, to say the famous words, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I love that you said Australian history as if this is like a bastion of Australian (laughs) culture. Fuck off, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember any other famous people on the show who have quit? I I think everyone or most people would remember Bernard Tomic, but he is the only one I remember because Bernard Tomic, the tennis player, for those who aren't familiar with that name or might be listening overseas, has a bit of a reputation for chucking in the towel early. So when he quit very early on into his stint on the show, a lot of Australians kind of rolled their eyes and said, that sounds about right. I don't remember any others though. Well, the others were former boxer Anthony Mundine and comedian Mel Buttle. But what's more interesting about the Bo Ryan story is that after he left camp, he did an interview on Triple M's Rush Hour. And in the interview, he said this, I didn't realize until I got back to quarantine and I spoke to my manager after I spoke to my family and he was like, no worries, mate, that just cost you 200 grand. (laughs) So working it out, if I stayed those last five days, I sort of wish I'd hung around, but I knew what headspace I was in. So Bo Ryan really didn't want to be here there. He said he wasn't in the best headspace. He desperately missed his family. The downside of this is if you quit the show, you lose your paycheck. In his case, it was 200K and he only had five days to go. That's pretty rough by the production. Five days left. The funny thing is I have not watched any of I'm a Celebrity get me out of here this year except for the one scene where Bo Ryan walked out. And when he spoke to the hosts, he said, I was so bored. Like the main reason I'm leaving is because I'm bored and I'm hungry. And it's kind of funny if you'd gone to him in that moment and be like, okay, you're bored and you're hungry, but are you bored enough to justify 200K? It's kind of brutal they didn't put that to him in the moment. 
I think that's the game. That's the game. <laughs> you know who would willingly give up 200K? Who? Toadfish Rebecca, because he's rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine, let's leave it there. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you, next bitch. This week, high-profile fashion influencer Jade Tunchi found herself in what you could call the biggest influencer scandal of 2022 so far. After taking to her Instagram stories to pressure a local small business into giving her a refund for wedding accommodation, Jade found herself public enemy number one when it came to her followers and the mainstream media alike. So let's unpack it all. How the hell did one of Australia's most recognised social media personalities find herself in this mess? Mish, a bit of context perhaps for our international listeners about Jade Tunchi, please. Yeah, well, she's a big name, right? Like you have influencers and then you have influencers on the tier that Jade Tunchi exists on. So she has 484,000 followers on Instagram. She has another 200,000 on TikTok. And in 2019, she was named E-Network's Australian Social Star of the year. So she's like the creme de la creme, particularly when it comes to fashion influencing. Yeah, and we also should have on the record, like we almost have to with every single one of these <laughs> stories we ever do. Yes, we've had Jade on the podcast. We've had most of the Australian media industry <laughs> on this podcast. But in no way, shape or form is that going to influence the conversation we're going to have today. There are many elements to this story, many, many elements. And I promise you, we will get to all of them. We will probably detail this in a pretty chronological way, how it all unfolded just for ease. But I guess I want to start with Jade's original Instagram story because it all started when she posted this on Instagram last Thursday. When we had to postpone our wedding due to COVID, we alerted weekend a holiday back in August 2021 for accommodation booked in March this year. We requested a refund due to the pandemic, but they said the best they could do was put it back up online to be booked by someone else. Six weeks out from the booking and we've asked again for a refund, which they have denied. They've had months to refund us for a booking we don't need. They're taking our money just because they can. It's incredibly poor form and so disappointing that businesses are taking advantage of people in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about these stories when we see them pop up from influencers and they tag small businesses they know that their followers are going to kind of swoop in on their behalf and apply pressure. And that's what some of Jade Tunchi's followers did. They began DMing the business, putting on that pressure. And soon after, Jade took to her Instagram stories again to announce some news. She said, they've agreed to refund us for our stay. Thank you guys for your help. So Jade got her money back and I think, or I imagine, she thought the saga was over right there. But things took quite a turn for the worst when anonymous influencer watchdog and gossip account Celeb Spellcheck stepped in. They wrote, Congratulations on not reading the terms and conditions then using your followers to bully a small business into giving you a refund. The condemnation mish was really swift and really damning. Thousands of people flocked to the comments of Celeb Spellcheck's post to voice their justified frustration, their deep anger, and sometimes their snarkiness too. We saw a whole range of commentary. I think some of the best commentary included comments like this one. I don't know what's worse, being the influencer to post about this or being the follower that harasses small businesses. Another good comment read, imagine asking people who already pay your bills through influencer sponsorship to also advocate for you to get refunds despite the fine print. Guys, help me. I'm rich and famous. Then we had some snarkier comments, which included, and your name is Jade Love, not Jade. And is this the Jade that got betrothed? Both of those comments kind of make reference to 
Jade's pronunciation of her name, she is Turkish. She pronounces her name Jade. That is the way her parents have spelt and pronounced her name since she was born. It's quite a low blow for people to go there. And I think it it's quite loaded when we start talking about names that aren't Anglo-Saxon names and intentionally mispronouncing them. The other comment that said, is this the Jade that got betrothed, was referencing maybe the idea that Jade posted too much about getting engaged at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, exactly. And I think this comes to the centre of the issue we've spoken about when it comes to celeb spell checks comments in the past is there are some that are very valid, but very often it gives rise to incredible nastiness that distracts from the issue at hand. Now, it's really interesting, this story. I do have to admit, I was uncomfortable the minute I saw this Instagram story. And Michelle, you and I had a conversation about it before it was on celeb spell check because I sent it to you and I said, There are a few things I hate more, to be totally honest with you, than influencers who do use their platform to denigrate small businesses to try Mm. and get money back for things or to try and beat a customer service line or whatever it might be. I am always and always have been desperately uncomfortable with that dynamic. And in this case, particularly in a pandemic when the tourism industry has been hit, this post to me did feel off. Mm. I didn't really expect much to come of it. I just didn't really love the tone because I've never loved the tone of Instagram stories that look like this when influencers do, in my opinion, abuse their platform. Yeah, and what really struck me about this post from Jade is that she was really positioning herself as like the victim of the pandemic and businesses as sort of these Machiavellian profiteers. When she wrote, it's so disappointing that businesses are taking advantage of people in the middle of a pandemic It's an interesting argument because she's trying to say that businesses are taking advantage of her when you could say, given the screenshot that Celeb Spellcheck put in her post where the T's and C's are quite clearly outlined, Jade is trying to take advantage of the small business. And I think this is where being a luxury fashion influencer is precarious. I mean, Jade makes a living off of showing us her very aspirational lifestyle and that's her right to do so. That is the career path she has chosen. But in the same week before this happened, Jade posted a series of images on her feed in like a photo dump and that included a YSL handbag that was tagged. It included shots of her shopping at Chanel and Bottega Veneta. And I think it is very, very hard for people to stomach this idea that Jade is the hapless victim in all of this when she ignored the T's and C's of what she signed and what she agreed to. It's $2,000 and we see Jade regularly post with handbags and luxury goods that are worth double that like daily. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think also for me, it speaks so much to consumer culture in Australia, the idea that the customer is always right. I mean, you guys have all worked in retail, haven't you? It's mm. the one thing that you're told from the minute you start working in retail. It's like the customer is always right. And I think that attitude gives consumers this level of entitlement, I think, that we all desperately desperately need to rethink like who actually holds the power in these scenarios I think it always comes down to power and in this case I would argue the holiday rental company did not hold the power yeah I completely agree I also think if influencers want to do something where they're unhappy with it maybe a brand's t's and c's are unfair that can happen go to the ACCC, go to any of the kind of governing bodies or watchdogs that are made to police these kinds of things. To kind of short circuit the system and take this shortcut is a bad look. And it makes me think, is it worth the hit to your reputation? $2,000 to an influencer with 400,000 followers. 
isn't that much. She would make that quite quickly in a sponsored post. It's a shame that she didn't think of the ramifications of posting this because, in my opinion, the ramifications are far beyond a $2,000 hit to her bank account. Now, Jade responded to that original celeb spell check post and she wrote this on her Instagram stories. I'm sorry that it ever got to this stage, nor did I want it to. I don't want small businesses to suffer, obviously, but I'm also not going to justify a $2,000 expense I need to reallocate for our wedding. Also, this probably worked out great for the business because they have so much more exposure now. Yay, everybody wins. Let's get on with life now, shall we? Let's not try to be bad people who bully others because we're bored. If you guys want to bully influencers because you hate them, sweet, but don't act like like you wouldn't all sit at home and try to get the refund yourselves. I I have a lot of thoughts on this and I want to hear them from you, Zara. I think my first thought is lots of people have a following but choose not to call out small business on their platform. The idea that everybody would do this if they could is flat out incorrect. On top of that, positioning this as something that is good for the business is completely misrepresenting the issue. All publicity is not good publicity for businesses. Maybe you could argue that for celebrities, but not for small business. Third of all, I do wish that the celeb spell check comments weren't so snarky so it couldn't give rise to this commentary that it's bully culture. If we kept it at the issue at hand, influencers like Jade Tunchi couldn't fall back on the bullying argument because it's so distracting. So I wish that the next time this happened, instead of people being snarky in the celeb spell check comments, they could pull themselves back from personal attacks because as soon as we go personal, influencers can fall back on the bully argument. Exactly. I think for me, it's that, yay, everyone wins because the business got exposure and it's like, yeah, but there was every every chance that that wasn't going to happen. Like there was every chance that this could have gone tits up for the business. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what other I don't know what other saying to use. But genuinely, it was just very lucky that a lot of people got onto the bandwagon and thought, how do I support this business rather than how do I abuse them? The story didn't end there. In fact, there are that many more elements of the story still to come. Weekender responded with an Instagram post of their own. They did a giveaway called She Can't Stay Giveaway, which I've got to say is a pretty snappy title. They have also since gained about 16,000 followers. It should be noted, when I saw this story initially before it was on Celeb Spellcheck, I think the reason I was affronted is because I noticed that the the holiday company had about 1,000 followers. So you're talking about a person with over 400,000 followers denigrating a business that has 1,000 followers. And after that giveaway happened, something else happened on Celeb Spellcheck's page. They actually uncovered a post of Jade's Facebook from 2017. It was a complaint she posted on Uber Eats' Facebook page. I am going to read it out, but I do just want to give a heads up before I read it out. This post does have racial undertones. This is what it said. I order off you guys all the time and I'm starting to find it really annoying that you have so many non-English speaking delivery people who can't follow basic delivery instructions. I got a notification today saying my food was arriving and it took a person a further 20 minutes to get to my door because he didn't read my delivery instructions properly. And when I called him to explain, he didn't understand a word I was saying. You can imagine then when this came out that this was the absolute nail in the coffin of this story. And again, when I read this post, I was like, 
I mean, so many thoughts, but all of them again about power. Like, how can you possibly think that you are the person that's the right in this scenario, in this Uber Eats scenario? Mm. You have all the power in the world. You are not the victim because your food is 20 minutes late. Yeah. Annabelle, I'm super curious on your take on that Facebook post from Jade Tanchi as someone who comes from a family where your parents were English second language, right? Like your parents were migrants and may have been those people working who maybe copped this kind of frustrating racial criticism yeah it's super super heartbreaking and I did see some commentary being like oh but this was a while ago and like people can change and grow since then and I know that Jada did come out with an apology afterwards saying that she has grown since then but I checked the year and it didn't seem like it was that long ago to excuse that kind of behavior towards humans and people who are probably doing it quite tough And so I just don't think that there's an excuse for it to be completely blunt. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about this contextually. This was 2017. Jade Tanchi won E's social star for the country in 2019. So she was a big personality when this happened. Not only should she have known better to put her name to this kind of stuff on social media, which honestly blows me away. Like, I'm shocked that anyone would talk this way and think it's okay on any level, but to do it publicly when you're a public figure with hundreds of thousands of followers, which she had in 2017, literally blows my mind. The apology came pretty quickly when Celeb Spellcheck posted the screenshot of that Facebook post. Jade wrote, I'm sorry to anyone I've hurt with my comments. I hold myself accountable for my actions. It doesn't excuse anything, but know that I have grown immensely in the past several years. I always do my best to be someone others can look up to, and I know I've let people down. For that, I am truly sorry. Now, Zara, naturally, whenever we have these conversations about influence or controversies, The question arises, how does the influencer at the center of it recover? Their careers depend on the public liking and approving of them. So how can Jade Tanchi do that? And is it even possible? I think it will take a long time. I think she has a lot of work to do. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Again, I I don't want to live in a world where like she can't possibly learn how to be better. Like that is what I want because I think we will live in a better world if everybody does learn how to be better. But I do think it will take a long time given, again, how both of you just said how recent these comments were made for her to learn because it's like if you weren't learning at 2017, I mean, Trump was elected in 2016. Yes. gives any kind of context for time. If you're not learning around this time, what will it take? Because I actually think it probably will take quite a lot. I mean, a lot of people are throwing words like cancellation at this and I just find it a little bit reductive. I don't know about you guys because I'm like, well, what does that even mean in 2022? Mm. It's not like they completely fall off the face of the earth and never take another job. I think she will probably go quietly for a while. But it's like, why are we still using the term cancellation when it feels like it doesn't really mean anything anymore? Yeah, I agree with that. I think as well, like the statute of limitations on what people have said on social media certainly covers 2017. Like we are not talking about an era that was long enough ago where Jade Tanchi was too young and too dumb to know better. There is no excuse under the sun that makes anything about that Facebook post okay. And while I'm frustrated with the weekender stuff, while I don't like it when influencers go after small businesses in their Instagram stories, this was the real thing for me. The racism post for me was just 
so incredibly disappointing and I am just really flabbergasted for lack of a better word that anyone with a profile feels confident enough or arrogant enough to speak this way about other people. Yeah, I totally agree, Mish. I have a feeling we are running out of time. (laughs) I think you're right about that one. Guys, we cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this in Your Safe Friday. I think that is all we've got time for. It's another big bumper episode. We thought that last week we had a lot to cover In the last seven days, so much has come out. So thank you for sticking with us until the very end. Zara, what can people do to support the show? They can go and find us on TikTok. We are at shameless underscore podcast. We will have snippets of this episode up. You will see me progressively get sweatier (laughs) and sweatier. As this episode has gone on, I actually feel like I might suffocate. So I need to get out of here soon and maybe have a little (laughs) bit of lie down. We are also on Instagram at shameless podcast. And as always, Mish will be back in their ears with another episode of Scandal on Monday. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. Annabelle Lee, thank you for being the best producer in the world. Anything to add? I do. We have Book Club on Saturday. Yes, yes we we'll do. See you in a week. Oh, Annabelle, <laughs> we will see you on Saturday. We are, of course, talking about Trent Dalton's love stories. If you have not picked that up yet, I bet you could do it in a day. So go pick it up from a bookstore. Listen to our Book Club episode on Saturday and have a good one, guys. Stay safe. Don't get laryngitis. Don't get COVID. And yeah, bye. That's it. Bye. bye. <laughs> 